You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. I'm one of the pastors of Audacious and my wife Julie's here with me. Yeah, because the truth is, people prefer her to me. So I'm, and I'm comfortable with that. I mean, I married her. So, you know, I made that decision quite a long time ago. Um, we've been married for 29 years this year. And, um, and thank you very much. Thank you. Again, the clap is more for me than her. And, um, um, and we have three children. So we have three children. Our eldest is uh, Molly. She's... Um, She's 25, and then we've got Grace, who's 22, and uh, Ethan, who's 19. And, um, and uh, Ethan, if you ever see the VTs, he's the drummer with the hair. Uh, you know, the hair that all goes around like this. And, um, and I've said to him, that's your future son. Um, enjoy it while you can. Um, but uh, I have seen one of my children this morning on Father's Day. One of them. I'm like, okay, one of them is married and lives somewhere else. But I don't think that's an excuse that can be taken. Um, she hasn't phoned me. I've had no FaceTime. And the other one was away somewhere. I just don't care. I, they should have seen them. Now, the part of it is this. Have you ever read the book, The Five Love Languages? Have you ever taken a moment have a read through that? Uh, if you've never read it, there's this book, Five Love Languages. And what it talks about is how you receive love. And that we all receive love in different ways. And so let me run through them dead quickly for you because it helps us understand what's going on. First one is this, words of affirmation. You know, maybe you're one of those people who when someone says something to you and they're specific, not just general words of affirmation, you know, you're nice. It's not a lot of affirmation in that. But actually the specifics of why and what that's about and, you know, why they like you and all the things that go with it. And that sort of fills your tank. Second thing is acts of service. Like you show love by doing things for people. Like Ben's wired like that. He's an acts of service kind of guy. He wants to help people. Oh, no, I got a little shake of the head from your wife. Um, oh, sorry. It's just in the eye line. It happened. I'm so sorry. Um, and, and, you know, just want to do things for people. Show love by serving. I get that. Some people, it's quality time. My wife's quality time. Yeah, Julie, she wants, she just wants, not just quality time, but actual focused attention. No phone. Yeah, eyes looking in your eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no distraction. Just, you know, when she's talking, I have to look at her. We've nearly died a number of times on the motorway, but, you know, she felt loved. Um, so, you know, quality time. Uh, and then, then number four is physical touch. And, um, you know, and all the fellas said, amen. And, um, and number five is receiving gifts. Now, I, I know this is shallow, but I am definitely number five. I appreciate that, you know, that, you know, you should probably say in quality time or words, but it's not, it's receiving gifts. And I love the fact that it's receiving gifts, not just gifts. Because if it was just gifts, it'd be about giving gifts, <laughs> right? And, and I don't feel loved by giving someone else a gift. Just being, can we be honest in church? That's just, just so I actually, it's the receiving of gifts. And that's my problem with Father's Day today. I've had nothing. Like, here we are, whatever time it is now, it's... Uh, it's 10 to 12. The, ne- the day's nearly half gone. I have had nothing. Breakfast. My wife made breakfast. Now, to be fair, that's pretty unusual. That's pretty unusual. Because, you know, we're, I'm a mature adult. I can make my own breakfast. Um, but Julie made breakfast this morning as an example to Ethan as he walked out the door going, oh, is any of that for me? Um, that is why I'm struggling with Father's Day today. 
It's the gifts. It's an issue to me. And the more I thought about the gifts, the more worked up about it I got. Because I realized this. When you first start giving a Father's Day gift, the first thing you realize is this. Your child gives a gift that they don't even know they've given, let alone paid for. They don't pay for it, right? And you know, um, if you've got a baby in the room, your baby, I guarantee your baby has given that father a gift today. That baby hasn't a clue. Right? They didn't mean it. They don't even know about it. But that's where you And then the next level, the next level is this. You, your child makes a gift for Father's Day. Now, we know that as fathers, what we're supposed to do at that point is, God, this is beautiful. I am going to keep this forever. Right? Which means it's going in the loft. And next time we move out. Right? So, so then, then, and then what happens is this. You give a gift that you have neither bought nor paid for. Right? Because, you know, mom has gone and bought a gift, then given you a gift and said, go and give this to your dad now. And then that's happened. And then you get to this stage. Mum gives you money. So you give a gift that you have bought, but you have not paid for. That stage in our family seemed to run somewhere into the late teens. Where Julie would give the money, they would buy a gift. Or they would say to Julie, we've got some money. You buy the gift and we'll pay you back. That never happened. And then finally, you buy a gift with your own money and you give it as well. But there's another stage that happens, and that's this. You buy yourself a gift because you had the baby. Because fatherhood's cyclical. You go from son ultimately to father. It's the same for motherhood, cyclical. You go from mother to daughter. And in the cyclical nature, you start to see your father in you. Have you had that moment yet? where you've sort of done something or said something, you think, that is just like my dad. I have a younger brother. I can see my dad in him all the time. He is ridiculously grumpy, my younger brother. He is just like my dad. And then the other day, just a few weeks ago, I was sat on the side of my bed reading reading a book, and I thought, man, how many times did I walk into my dad's bedroom and find him sat in a bed reading a book. Thank God it's a Kindle. That must make it different. Like, I'm thinking, so this is unbelievable. What is happening is this. The cyclical nature of fatherhood is meaning we're learning lessons from one generation to another. Now, I know for some of you, even that phrase is terrifying. Because I realized that, that I had a wonderful experience of a dad. He wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but neither was he a bad father. But for others, some of the challenges you've been through, some of the ways you've been through. And part of your fear is, am I going to reproduce in my children what my father reproduced in me? Can I tell you something? The beauty of our faith, the beauty of following Jesus is this. That you were not just born the first time, the seed of your father, born from your mother. But actually, you were born again. And in that process of being born again, it's not just one father's DNA that is in you, but there is a spiritual DNA that comes into your life. And that spiritual DNA that changes and transforms you. So when you father, you don't just do it with who your dad was. You do it with who your heavenly father is. And that shapes how you do this. Let me, let me encourage you. 
Um, in the Old Testament, there's a, there's a verse, and I remember reading it when I was doing my A-levels and reading it and thinking to myself, what a horrendous verse. And it's, I can't remember where it is, but it says this. It says, the, chi- the, the fathers of Eton, so, it's not that verse, you can take that one down, or that one, just go back. It says this, the fathers of Eton sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. The idea that a father could do something so bad that it hurts the child. Not an action to the child, but an action in the father. But in the New Testament, God deals with us as us. He doesn't deal with us based on a generation before or generations before. He deals with you as you. And God sets us free from those things. You know, when you read the Old Testament, the word God, the idea of God as Father is only mentioned 13 times. 13 in all those books of the Old Testament. And through all of those pages, only 13 times they mention it. But the first time is so important. Whenever anything happens the first time in the Bible, theologians call it the law of first mention. Because the first mention stamps. This is what this word is about. This is how this word functions. It's what this word does. And when the idea of God the Father is first mentioned, it's in the book of Exodus in chapter 4. And it's God speaking to Moses and he's explaining to Moses what Moses has to say to Pharaoh in order for God's people to be let go. And this is what God says to him. says in Exodus 4, 22 and 23, God makes this declaration, Israel is my firstborn. He is claiming his fatherhood over a people. And then he says this, let my son go. You see, God's relationship with you is not about what you do for him. It's about what he does for you. God's relationship with you is not about getting you to be something or do something. It's about getting you free. Let my son go. Go. See, everything God is working and doing in your life is based on the act of him as father and the role of us as fathers is to bring freedom for our children. It's to bring freedom. Whether that means this, generational freedom because they're not carrying what we carried. Whether that means financial freedom because we do something for them that means we set them up in a way they were, we were never set up. Whatever that means, actually, it's something totally different. There is something miraculous that happens when a family starts to push education in a way that has never been pushed in that family before. The first time someone in a family gets a degree, you suddenly realize this is, this is different for generations or someone educationally it succeeds this is different for generations when generations hadn't I came with family my my grandfather got my dad a job in the same engineering company that he had worked in his entire life my granddad had a break for the war in which he changed factories apart from that he worked in one company my dad worked in one company his entire life and I remember him saying pursue your dreams just that phrase changed my life because he didn't want to limit a son to the limitations his father had placed upon him. And Heavenly Father speaks over our lives and says, my role is to help you live free. Help you live with full freedom. Everything you have. The Old Testament, that's how it talks about Father. But we get into the New Testament and in the New Testament, the idea of God the Father in the Gospels alone, is mentioned 150 times. It's like God goes, okay, 
We've been driving along. We've been coasting along. It's time to push the accelerator and see how fast we can go on this idea of Father because Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus comes on the scene and he introduces God the Father because he is the Son. He can't help but talk about the Father because he is the Son. And when they ask him, Jesus, help us out here. How come you can pray the way that you can pray? How come when you pray, God answers? Because there was lots of people praying to the same God. In the Jewish tradition and religion, they were praying to Yahweh, to Jehovah. This is the same God they were praying to. And then Jesus says, well, let me explain the relationship to you. It begins like this, our Father. You want to teach us to pray? Yeah, yeah. Start with these words. Our Father. You can feel, you can feel the set of Jewish young men going, seriously? I mean, we read it because we've got used to it. Sometimes you have to hear it like it said the first time. Like the name of God was so holy in the Jewish tradition, they would never write it down. In fact, they would never put all the words into the same word. So they would say Yahweh, but they would skip letters. And they would say Adonai as Lord, but they would skip letters. And the two words together made up the full name. And Jesus goes, I'll tell you how to pray then. It's not about saying his name. It's about declaring your relationship with him. If it's just about that name, then that's, that's almost magic. But it's about understanding the relationship. Our Father. It is revolutionary. Our, our. And hear that first word. Our. Like there's, there's a bit of ownership in that. Our son's learned to drive. Uh, just last couple of Sundays ago, he was preaching. Um, he's 19. He was preaching at our Youth and Young Adults Night in uh, Central Manchester. And uh, so we sneaked in the back. Like, I wanted to sit on the front row. Uh, but Julie said I couldn't. Um, so we sneaked in the back. And he's telling this story. And he's a good storyteller. And he's telling his story. And he's going on. He's going on about this car that's his. And I'm thinking to myself... You've bought a car. <laughs> so the next day, Julie had just parked a little bit further down the road. And uh, some of our neighbours having some work done. There's cars everywhere. She parked a little bit further down the road. And Ethan comes down and says, where's my car? I says, I don't know. He says, no, seriously, Dad. Where's my car? I said, mate, I can't see it anywhere. So he, he loses the plot. He grabs his keys. He runs out the door. It's about 20 yards to the right. And he goes, Dad, my car's there. I said, that's amazing. You bought the same car as your mum. <laughs> Listen, our. When you take ownership, it's amazing how differently you treat something. So Jesus says, how do you want to know him? How do you pray? Our Father. He is ours. Like, not we are his. Because God chooses to operate from him to us. He is ours. 
our Father. And then the next thing Jesus teaches, all the way through this part in Matthew, he says this, that don't worry about what you need because your Father knows. Like just to get that, I don't, don't worry about what you need. Just, just don't worry. Don't worry. It was only looking back on my childhood that I realized how little money we had. And I only realized it because two things. One, we only ever went on holiday to my grandparents. And two, the type of food we ate that I only worked out later was cheap. Because I never felt it. Because my parents never let us feel that there was anything lacking in our lives. Listen, you may not have everything you want, but God will bring you everything you need. You may not have every dream come true yet, because the point of a dream is that it's somewhere ahead of you. It's somewhere beyond you. So actually, God puts those things in our lives for aspiration. But what he's doing is he's drawing us in. So Jesus says, hey, you're okay. God will provide for you. And then he tells that he cares for us. And he talks about sparrows. And he talks about numbering the number of hairs on your head. Because he knows you so well. That's why I grew a beard. It gives God something to do. Wait, settle. It wasn't that funny. Um, I got eyebrows too. I don't think that'll take him that long. It's interesting with my kids, right? They, they, they call me dad most of the time. Every now and again, it reverts to father, usually when something's um, comedy or, you know, uh, odd. Um, and occasionally it's Pastor Stewart, but that's when I'm not listening, right? Um, but it's dad. Every now and again, our middle one will go daddy and then surprise herself, like, I didn't mean that. Um, um, but it's dad. And I tell you when it's always dad. It is always dad when there's intimacy and there's pain. Every single time. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, prayed with words that you don't find oft repeated in the New Testament. Where he prayed about, can you take this cup away from me? If not, your will be done. And then he says two words. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. That word Abba is, is the, not in the same language as most of the rest of the New Testament. It's Aramaic. It's, it's almost a localized dialect of language. And that word Abba is the, in, the most intimate word you can say to a father. The nearest translation we have is daddy and it's weak. It is much deeper than that. And Paul writes in Romans, and this is what Paul says in Romans. He says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so you live in fear. Rather, you receive the Spirit. It brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. We cry the intimate cry of God as Father. That's the relationship God wants with us. He doesn't want the relationship where he's so far off in his majesty, we just, all we can do is worship. He doesn't want a relationship where he's so far off in his justice, all we can do is bow to his rule. He wants a relationship where he's so close. It is the intimacy of daddy 
of father, of Abba Father, Abba Pater, that just draws us to him. So what would Father God want for Father's Day? In the same way that I think I see reflections of dad in me, I think I see reflections of father in his children. And I think some of the things we understand in our humanity are revelations of his divinity. That we see, Paul says, through a glass darkly. Kind of makes sense. What does Father want on Father's Day? I think Father God wants the same thing most dads want. Firstly, to be with their children. I want to be with the children. Just the idea of just being with my kids today. I don't know what's happening. It's one of those surprises. I think my mother's coming. I'm not sure how that fits into Father's Day, but I'll roll with it. To be with my children. God wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. I don't mean a visit. You know, a visit like, uh, I visited God this morning when I read my Bible and said my prayers, or I visited God today because it's Sunday and I came to church. Come on, give me the marks for that. But to be with that active, ongoing being. Not doing, being. Mark chapter 3 tells us that when Jesus called his disciples to him, it wasn't, hey, I need 12 guys to do a job for me. Called his disciples to him, Mark 3.14, to be with him. That's what God calls us to be. He doesn't call you to come and worship. He doesn't call you to come and serve. Those are byproducts of proximity. It is to be with him. Because when I'm with him, my worship comes so easily. And when I'm with him, I serve him. Why, why wouldn't I? Because I'm with him. I get the chance to do this with you. Oh, that's amazing. What, what a privilege that I get the chance to serve with you, God. Wow. So Father wants to be with, I think second thing he wants from his children is, I do think he wants a gift. I think it's a good thing. He wants the gift of our lives, freely given. An act of worship, the act of service, the act of pouring out our lives. Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 talks about our lives poured out as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. That in every moment of my day, I can be a gift to God. I can just keep, at every moment, I can keep giving. In my business life, I can keep giving to God. In, in my family life, I'm just keeping giving to God. In my friendship life, I'm keeping giving to God. I am pouring out, pouring, pouring out. It's just, it's just a gift to you, God. Because if I give it to you, it is amazing what you can do with what I give to you. But if I try and do it by me, it is amazing how little actually happens. And so God goes, just, just that's great. And I think the third thing is this. I think fathers on Father's Day want food. It's amazing. We'll, we'll give you a gift at the end of the day. And, you know, every fella gets the gift. And, and um, I know you're getting a gift because I brought it this morning from Manchester. Um, Father's Day, one year, one year, we gave socks. It was uproar. All these guys walking out looking at these socks like, what, what, what? 
you can't eat this. Don't worry, we've got you back today. Jesus, when he had met the woman at the well, made this incredible statement. My food is to do the will of God. I think that's what Father looks for. How does he know I love him? Is it because I sing? No. Is, is it because I worship? No, no, no. Is it because I, I jump up and down a little bit? No. It's because I'm looking for his will and how I can serve him in this world because I love him so much. Here's the, here's the secret of Father's Day. Every day is God the Father's Day. There is not a day that goes by when God does not want to be with you. There's not a day that goes by when God does not want to receive the gift of your life so that he can multiply into all he's called you to be. There's not a day that goes by when God does not want you to do his will so that you are fulfilled in doing it. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't want you to do his will because it's his will. He wants you to do his will because it's the best thing for you because that's how he's orientated. Every day is Father's Day. But the final thing I want to say is this. Every day, the Father is looking for children to come to him. If you're here today, you, you've never made a decision to follow God. I, I, can I tell you something? God, every day, is watching you out of the deep, passionate love that he has for you. That Jesus, when he died on the cross, did it because of the deep, passionate love that when he wrestled and used those words, Abba, Father, he's saying, Dad, is there another way? But if there's not, I know you love your children so much that I will pay the price for their mistakes. And Jesus dying on that cross demonstrated that love to the ultimate degree. I'd love to pray right now. Why don't you bow your heads for a moment, close your eyes. And and I want to pray for you. If you're here today, you've never made a decision to actually follow Jesus as a son or daughter of God, then I'd love to include you in a prayer. Maybe you made this decision once and you know that you've slidden away from following him. You're not as close and personal as you could be and should be. And you want to come back to God. I'd love to include you in that prayer as well. So just while I'm about to pray, before I pray, so I know I'm including, if that's you, one of those two things, maybe for the first time, or maybe just you know, you need to pray again. Would you just slide a hand in the air so I can see? And now I'm going to include you in this prayer. just want to give you a few seconds, and then I'm going to pray. All right, let me pray. Father, I thank you for your incredible love for us. That this Father's Day, we can celebrate who you are, but more we can celebrate whose you are. You are our Father who deeply loves us, passionately cares for us, and is chasing after the best for each and every one of our lives. Lord, I pray today your blessing to be upon every family, every home, every person who is here and those they represent. May they know the goodness of God upon their lives and your presence, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 